Welcome to another Emerging Tech Talks with me, Donovan White from Mad4 Digital. Um, this afternoon, I have the pleasure of sharing the mic with Robert Garbe, Chief Executive of Drone Major in um, Level 39. Hello there, Robert. How are you doing? Hi, very well, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing the mic today. Um, this is a subject that I'm really interested in. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be fascinated by hearing you um, talk about drone technology and um, urban air mobility and all the other acronyms that, that are part of this um, part of this fascinating technology. Um, just to start, Robert, I wonder if you could just share with um, our audience a little bit about your company, what you do, um, what your mission is, and, and, and just excite us a bit about, uh, about um, uh, drone measure. Certainly, very happy to do so, yeah. So Drone Major was launched in 2017, really with the, the vision and the mission of, of connecting stakeholders in the drone industry around the world together. Uh, and, and that sounds relatively straightforward, except for when you understand what, a, what the drone industry is. So we don't just look at uh, sort of air systems, we look at all autonomous systems across all environments, surface, underwater, air and space. And so there are a lot more organizations and stakeholders go way beyond operators and manufacturers of drones. It goes into all the support services as well. So we started with that mission. We did, did incredibly well over the first six months, but what we realized was whilst we thought we'd spend the first two years focusing on the supplier, on the suppliers around the world and connecting them together and connecting with stakeholders and assisting governments and organizations to understand what the drone industry was. There's a lot of large organizations out there who are forward thinking, who wanted to adopt this technology, the needed advice and guidance. So they were coming to us saying, this is great. You know, we've watched you launch. We, you know, we're really excited. This is what the industry needs. Can you help us? We need consultancy. So that was kind of our year two, three plan you know, uh, procurement assistance and consultancy later on. So we had to bring the whole thing forward to the first six months we launched the consultancy April last year. And now essentially at the sharp end, we are the world's leading consultancy for drone and counter drone technologies. Now we work in a very specific way in that our organization delivers strategic advice to organizations on firstly what a drone is because many of them don't really understand yeah and just just so sorry to interrupt yeah. you but just on that point that's really interesting because i think most people think about drones as those little remote controls that's delivering your parcels or your pieces just just give a flavor of, of the i suppose the expansive nature of this of this technology Indeed. absolutely i'd be delighted so so a drone is any unmanned system that's autonomously or remotely controlled so that includes driverless cars autonomous ships or surface vessels, underwater systems, so ROVs, air systems such as the traditional drone that the picture you'd have in your head, uh, but all sizes and shapes, not just small, but right up to large and the future of passenger carrying, freight carrying, UAS systems, uh, space. So in fact, if technically a satellite is in fact a drone. And then of course, the exciting piece, which is any hybridization of those pieces of what are called, sometimes called multimodal. Right. So these are systems that operate across environments. So they can float on the surface of the sea, and operate then... under the water and take off and operate in the air, for example. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the sort of breadth of what we do. Uh, we use the ISO definition, which is the one that I've just given you. So that's any unmanned system that's autonomously or remotely controlled. Okay. So in your own mind, what, what do you think the best use cases are going to be that are going to be the most popular and, and relevant to the, to the general public that's going to come out of this? So the way I look at that is we need to get this technology to a point where it changes people's lives. Uh, delivering a pizza is not going to change anyone's life. Um, but uh, the, the analogy I use is when the first automobiles came onto the road, they were toys for rich people. You know, and uh, many people thought that this was just a bit of a fad and it never take on and we'd be using horses for the next few hundred years. Don't worry about it too much, governor. But 
unfortunately, someone had the bright idea of making maybe making one of these slightly larger so you could put bread in the back of it. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a utility vehicle, yeah. which means that you can deliver a lot more. You can make a bit more money because you can deliver faster. Uh, you can deliver a lot more, and you know you don't have the expense of having a horse that gets sick and all the people yeah. that are required to 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 tend to that that animal. And so this is what changed the automobile industry essentially initially. Uh, of course, we still have vehicles that are essentially toys for rich people, but we also have utility systems that have led on to everything else. And this is where the industry is going. So the best use cases for autonomous systems in the air, if we can focus there for a moment, yeah. are the larger scale autonomous systems that deliver things from one place to another or deliver people from one place to another. And we're not we're not quite there yet. There are obviously a huge amount of really important uses for drones in general. So you've got, you know, surface systems, you've got the maritime uh, systems, multimodal that can, you know, inspect vessels from the outside and underneath the water. There's a myriad of applications. Yes. I think we've got a list of about 270 uh, different applications for drone systems. But um, so delivering medical supplies from hospital to hospital yeah. in the future, having uh, medics on site of a, of a vehicle accident where an unmanned ambulance can just land on yeah. from the air the, you know, the medics can put someone in there, stabilize them, sure. get back to helping people on the scene while that, that system takes somebody home. So, sure. so recent, you get a lot recent, more out of your medics. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the recent incidents in the, in the Himalayas, I think, you know, could have, could have certainly used... Absolutely, sort of absolutely. And we've seen recently the use of these systems in fire just for finding people using advanced sensors. Uh, we go further than that in terms of the use of them later on in, uh, you know, extinguishing fires. Sure. So, you know, sure. the use of autonomous systems in many, many environments is very, very useful to mankind and that's where the industry is going. Great, and no, that's great news. So just stepping slightly back from that, what, what, what is the actual technology itself that's driving that's driving all of this um, Okay, so the, the, in- there are a number of areas of technology, rather like if you look back to the, the sort of mobile phone industry, it's like the battery and the screen, essentially, there's lots more to it than that, of course. But, but in this industry, it's really about energy. How do you power these things? Um, you know, there's the rise of the hydrogen fuel cell, there's the rise of the biological cells that are coming. Uh, how do you make something stay in the air or operate on the ground or in the sea longer. Uh, that's that's one of the core drivers for the entire industry. The modes of propulsion, so the changes from electric motors to other types of propulsion in the future, that's, an, that's going to be another key driver. How do we get the most out of the energy that we've got? Uh, rather than just sort of you know burning burning our batteries or, or fuel cells down with traditional uh, multi rotor systems and of course then there's the, the the sensor and the artificial intelligence or the software that essentially goes behind yeah. the system because if it can't operate accurately and safely and reliably continually yes then you've got a real issue for the growth of the industry yeah absolutely and, and i was just going to touch on that point a recent survey i think it was by one of the big airlines um suggested that 85 percent of people surveyed said they wouldn't get nearer they wouldn't even get near anything that was flying in the air that, that well, it, well they i know what you're going to say <laughs> no no and you're absolutely right and um, i think it'll be a very very long time before there is a passenger carrying aircraft that doesn't have a pilot i mean if you really think about that cycle Logically, you've, you may have you know 150, 200, 300 people in the back of the aircraft, nobody flying it except for a piece of software. Yeah, you would at least have to have someone sitting there monitoring the systems as you do now, with as you do now, yeah. but you might not need an entire 
yeah. suite and you might not need a pilot. I was talking to a pilot recently who made a very good comment and said, you know, whilst you can create a software pilot that is very good and understands the rules of the air and can fly very accurately, they're not sitting in the seat. They don't feel necessarily the bumps yeah. or the discomfort and they don't, because a pilot will sort of gently pull away from yeah. some weather that's ahead. Now, of course, you can make software systems that sophisticated in the future, but we're not quite there yet. And, and you know, you wouldn't get a, <laughs> I wouldn't get on a plane without a, a pilot or somebody taking responsibility sitting in yeah. the same the same metal tube that I'm in flying at several thousand feet. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so just just think about some of the things that need to be changed in terms of our infrastructure and, and what we have at the moment, um, transport services and everything. What are some of the things that are going to need to be uh, changed outside of the specific um, drone itself or the specific mode of transport itself so this to is make so, these things happen? This is something we're working very heavily on, and it's it's about creating the foundations. Yeah. I was, again, I like, use, I like using analogies, but you can't build a house without foundations. And what happens traditionally in, in fast-moving technological uh, industries is that people go off often create tech so uh, and they don't necessarily think that they can actually use it so and the government tend to fund isolatory projects that to prove a point that something can happen. So can you fly a drone beyond visual line of sight out to the sea and back again without it falling out of the sky? Yes, you can. Can we now do that? No, you can't, because there's no regulations. There's no technology in place to to, uh, to support that. So the foundation, the foundation blocks are, first of all, we need a suite of sandboxes around the UK. I'm not talking regulatory sandboxes, although that would be linked in. Physical sandboxes where manufacturers and operators can go and test their technology and their, and their concepts we can draw intelligence and knowledge from the, from that activity that leads towards commercialization it also leads us into testing and developing the future of the one of the most important aspects or building blocks of this which is the unmanned traffic management yeah management system um, yeah yeah, yeah and, and essentially I mean I, I don't like the term UTM but I, I always call it airspace integration so it's right. ground to ceiling airspace integration but the tool that we currently use for low-level airspace is called a UAS traffic management system we need to develop those properly we need to understand how to federate them, how to mesh them, how to create an industry out of that which supports yes. low level and integration between the UTM and ATM, which is the manned air traffic. And the, the, the other building block that's really important, the intelligence of that should be fed into the development of regulations, which is another very important building block, yeah. slow to move. And another key one that people often forget is the standards. And I'm not yes. talking necessarily about the, the technological standards, but the foundation safety and quality principles right. on which all this technology should be built. Yeah. And so what we're doing with the aviation industry is starting there and the ICE the International Standards Organization started four years ago the uh, International Standards for uh, UAS operations were released for public consultation last year and my next project because I convene working group three which is three which is responsible for the development of the International Standards on Drone Operations is looking at passenger carrying UAS right. so it's the fundamental safety and quality principles for that which is you know an absolutely essential building block for the future of UAM sure no fantastic what, what does what, what do we have to do to change public perception on this, I, I think I think the public perception is is, is negative. Well, I, I, I hear this a lot, and it, it always makes me smile. Public perception will always be negative when they don't understand what it is there, what it is about, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I'll go back to the story that I always tell, which is when cars first came out, the safety rule that was brought in that, that you had to have two people in the car, and one of them had to get out at a junction and walk across in front of the car, waving a red flag <laughs> during the day or a lantern during the night. In the hours of darkness, you had to wave a lantern, and that was because people were terrified in the same way as they were terrified when trains started coming off. If you go above 25 miles an hour, your face will come off. It's a natural fear of the unknown. Yeah. So how do you how do you combat that? You 
educate. And so, the, you know, the way to, to, to combat the, the potentially or, you know, the perceived negative aspects of, of UAS technology is A, to create good news stories about what it can do. If I can tell you that if you have a car accident in the middle of nowhere, a drone is going to come within five minutes map 3D your area, yeah. land on with medical supplies so that if you are conscious, you can help yourself. But the, the emergency services are going to be able to get there a lot quicker. Yeah. They're going to be able to see you, the layout, where your car is, all the access and egress to that field. This is going to help save your life. Yeah. And then later on, when we can get unmanned ambulances, either ground-based or air-based, onto that site faster yeah. so that the, the crew or somebody there is doing first aid can get you into it and get you back to a hospital immediately, that is going to save your life. Yeah. And it's those kind of stories and those kind of techniques technological developments that will that will drive that public perception towards oh my god this isn't about a little buzzy thing yes. invading my privacy yeah this is about changing the way that we do business and changing our lives for the better for the better you know i absolutely agree that's a really really valid point um outside of your own i suppose expertise or, or even you know within that what what is the, the most fascinating piece, piece of technology within this industry that you're really excited about i, I think i, I would I was thinking about this a little earlier. I think the most fascinating, it isn't actually air-based. I mean, I'm very fascinated about what we call hybridized systems. Uh, we're not talking about hybrid energy. We're talking about systems that can operate in different environments. So, you know, you have you could have a, a robot system, and there is one of these that can operate on the land and, and inside the water, and it's partially humanoid, and it can do underwater operations. And, you know, the way that we're going with this is, you know, and a good example, a simple example, is the Airbus pop-up system. Small car, drop, draws up outside your house on your request, rather like you call an, an Uber these days. You get in, it takes you to a hub, an airpiece clamps onto the roof of that car. It leaves the wheels behind, off it goes, and it takes you to Glass, Glastonbury and lands on in the field. You get out and you're there. Right, fantastic. This, for me, is the most exciting application. You know, systems that can operate on the surface of the sea, under the sea, and in the air at the same time, either layered technologies or total hybrids that can, basically one system that can do all three. Mm. I think that is quite possibly the most exciting thing that I've seen in the last three years. And I, I hope that the industry would go in that direction, and it certainly has. Good. And when will we be able to get one? <laughs> well, they're available now. <laughs> I, could, I could send you one now. No, I, I can tell you where to get one. That's what we do. All right. Okay. No, fantastic. Thank you. So, you know, I run a company. I'm, I'm really interested in understanding a bit more about what you guys do and how I should engage you and why I should engage you. So can you can you tell our audience, um, you know, how and why should they, should they engage your business? Well, it, it's very simple. Well, just very quickly go back to what we are. So at the pointy end, we're a consultancy. The way I describe it is imagine a train. The engine that drives it is a consultancy. The carriages that we have being dragged behind the train are full of thousands and thousands of suppliers around the world. We are totally independent. And, and what we do essentially is advise you on how autonomous systems can solve the problem or the, give you the capability you need. And then we're bringing experts from around the world to help deliver that right the way through the process. The, the process. So we are totally independent. So the advice that I always give to people is whether you seek our advice or somebody else's seek independent advice because there is a lot out there and you know it's quite easy to go to the nearest vendor of said technology and say can you solve my problem mm. and the answer is always going to be of course yeah of course but yeah. that's not necessarily true yeah no absolutely robert thank you very much for sharing the mic today very much appreciated 
Such a fascinating topic and good to hear someone so passionate about it. Now I know public perception may be a little skeptical due to some of the privacy and safety issues, but if we can overcome those challenges, think about all the great ways the technology could change and improve our lives. We could send the drone into a burning building to locate and direct people to safety. Send the drone to rescue people in remote places like the recent unfortunate Himalayas tragedy, or get in the scene of an accident much quicker than any ambulance could do and save lives. As Robert mentioned, education is the key, and I hope that we've helped to educate you just a little bit more about the future of drone technology. This has been another Mad4 Digital Emerging Tech Talk with me, Donovan White. Every week, I share the mic with someone in emerging tech, so if you like what you hear, then please share. And if you'd like to share the mic with me, then please send me an email at dwhite, that's D-W-H-Y-T-E, at mad4digital.com. Until next time, keep smiling.